listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. All right, guys. Election is tomorrow. Yep. yep. And I feel like we need to just talk about something that's going to make us really optimistic. So You don't think that a tangerine-colored reality star nightmare is optimistic? Not particularly, but I like oh. where I like how you phrased it. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> what I'm what I mean is, you know, this is nerds on film. Uh, we watch a lot of movies, and we watch a lot of movies that happen to have, uh, you know, actors portraying the uh, president of the United States. So, which fictional president would you mm. like to see be actual president? Sean, why don't you go first on this one? Since Han Solo is not actually president in any movies. I'm going to have to go with Air Force One. I, I just truly, th- and I know that that might seem like a cop-out because you don't actually get to see any, like, policies or any sort of, like, actual background for how he was a president, but... Well, I mean... He- anybody who can say, get off my plane, and uh, and punch Gary Oldman in the face out of a plane, yeah. I mean, like, if that was a political ad, this I would vote for that person. I will say that he is definitely the portrayed president that I want to bone the most. That's that is <laughs> Wait, you want to sure. bone him? You want to peg him? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because being Fair president enough. is entirely about one's bonability. Submission. Yeah. This no. is why this is why I think there's been such a smear campaign against Hillary Clinton actually. <laughs> Truthfully. Um it's not it's not actually about bonability. I'm just saying I think that Harrison Ford's super hot. Um, she wants to sit on his face. But, she wants to sit on the commander in chief's face. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that I mean, well, and there is actually there is policy in that movie. There's his opening speech when he's at that dinner, and he actually like changes their foreign policy with, um, you know, working in humanitarian crises and whatnot. Like he actually that's true, but it also is like a televised event, which mm-hmm. is you know, which seems like it's it's very rhetorical. Sure, but we so we we don't since. And we could say this about all the other presidents. We don't really get to see their movie presidency play out. That's that's true. Well, and I think we'll talk. For about all that we know, more. they choke hookers and kill children. God. Well, we'll we'll talk about that more in the episode. Uh, Brian, who do you want to be real president from well, the movie? Honestly, uh, I I'm a huge fan of Andrew Shepard, aka Michael Douglas, from the American President. Mm. Mostly because he's the mouthpiece of Aaron Sorkin, and Aaron Sorkin you know, is just one of those people who he's he's not afraid to kind of tell both sides when they're wrong mm-hmm. and not afraid to make his opinion known. And, you know, it's kind of cool to have outspoken statesmen on film mm-hmm. for that reason. To go along and piggyback on what Sarah was saying, because you're such a big fan of Aaron Sorkin's mouthpiece, <laughs> does that mean you want to mouth fuck Aaron Sorkin's mouthpieces or Aaron Sorkin like anybody who speaks Aaron Sorkin's dialogue you're just like oh I just want to meet that dialogue right at your lips with my cock I just want to meet that dialogue right at the hallway and walk down the hallways yeah I want to walk in circles in your mouth uh, (laughs) uh, with my penis no uh oh okay no no I don't I would love to have coffee with the man but I would never that's code for sex. It <laughs> always is. Nobody just has coffee. All right. So, Sean, that leads us to you. Who do you... No. Oh, you already said I that. Already so said that, that shit. Sorry. You're trying to skip Sarah by doubling up on me. Sean. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. I, I swear to God, I'm going to have a jar. 
<laughs> we should have an entire episode of cutbacks to every time we've skipped over Sarah. It's it's going to be it take, the skip jar. It's going to be the skip jar, and every single time you skip over me, you have to put five dollars in the jar. Like people Holy carry shit. cash anymore. Well, wait, yeah. First of all, cash is dead. Okay, fine. Yeah, so I'm gonna have a PayPal all, account. Second of all. <laughs> Holy fucking shit, $5 yeah. in this economy? Come on, people put like a swear jar is a quarter. Let's do quarters. I'll agree to a 50 cent piece, which is also dead, just like Kennedy. I have a 50 so cent piece. you can't piece. find those. Well, we don't Kennedy. record that often, and I've got a vacation to pay for, so you know. Oh, so this is really fueled by your own selfish needs. I'm just saying, if you guys are going to keep if you guys are gonna keep skipping over me, I deserve a good vacation. That's all I'm saying. So, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your movie president that you want to have in real life? Uh, I would <laughs> say that uh, uh, Bill Pullman from Independence Day is my yeah. ideal movie president. Um, simply because of the fact that he was able to unite like every single country on the planet against a common, en a common enemy with yeah. like a single powerful speech. And that is like badass diplomacy in action. I'm well, all about that. Was that speech? That was speech wasn't televised all around the world. That was just to the to the Air Force people, the, the pilots right there. Sean, that was pretty much the world. What was left of it at that point? So <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's a, like the telegram comes through, and everybody's like super excited. That the Americans are finally going to do something, and like they're all like just they're they were all so ready to rally behind Bill Pullman because he's awesome. I that is I think that's a mark of a good president. Sweet. Well, now is is Bill Pullman runner up for another commander in chief face sitting candidate? Because I know you like oh, you some ninety six Bill Pullman. No, 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 no. Bill Pullman is like like I've always like imagined Bill Pullman is like my uncle or something like that. That okay? Not not a yeah. not a boneable dude in my opinion. Now I didn't see Independence Day Resurgence. So if did you see it? Nope. John, did you see it? Absolutely not. I didn't see it either. Because I want to know, because I heard that in that sequel, because of what happened in Independence Day, it's now, it's not even the United States. It's more just like there's a world presidency. Hmm. And that he was the first world president post those events. And that Celia Ward, I think, is the president in the, in the new hmm. conditions. Uh, so should we get on to the actual episode then? Sure. Well, and uh, well, let's come up with a better way of saying on that now. Because <laughs> yeah, that was like kind of weak sauce. Um, I'm sorry. I'm really not tired. your fault, Sarah. I'm so tired. I cannot even think of a good segue. Hold on. What we just said about Bill Pullman, world president. About Bill Pullman, world president. Celia Ward. Celia Ward. Speaking of now and again, that was a great TV show <laughs> with the Rocketeer. Yes, indeed. Bill Campbell. And on that note. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, but now and again was a TV show on ABC. I've a got a ABC yeah, <laughs> now has the TV show Designated Survivor, which is about a guy becoming president, and it's a really good show. And that now will get us back into talking about presidents again. Wow. <laughs> on my head just almost exploded. <laughs> on on that note, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Sean Moriarty, and we are currently missing Roxy's Foxy Maple Moxie. I know. To quote ben I Baker. Her Foxy Maple Moxie might have saved that soft open. Um, it could have. Yeah. It could have. 
I just rate, thought she was being real quiet. No, no, she which never happens. <laughs> yeah, she unfortunately is feeling ill, so she is missing out of this recording sesh. Yeah. So. Um. So, like we said, she took the Beastie Boys' advice very literally. Yeah. What's the time? It's time to get ill. And she didn't really understand what that meant from a hip-hop <laughs> perspective. So she's in bed now. Yep. <laughs> she was licking toilet seats and, and door handles and just took it way too literally. Oh, God. Dear God, man. <laughs> Ew. You know, I think it's funny that after all the shit that he says on the air, that's what really grosses us out. It's not the any other stuff. The idea of licking a toilet seat? It's licking toilet seats and doorknobs and not any of the other horrible yeah. things oh, he yeah. said. Well, I mean, the other things were gross, too, but yeah, expected. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. As I say, skull fuck a dead child in Bangladesh. Nobody fucking bats an eye. And then all of a sudden I say, licking a toilet seat. And it's like, ah! <laughs> So anyway, uh, <laughs> like we were saying, when this releases, we will be one day from the 2016 presidential election. Potentially our last one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny that you think it'll be over tomorrow because I have a feeling that if if it's as close as some people say it's going to be, that it's going to be long and drawn out like the 2000 election. Yeah. Well, let's hope not. Because um, that well, if you guys want to hear about contentious elections, listen to the Nerds on History from a couple weeks ago. Uh, so anyway, uh, we thought we would lighten the load a little bit and talk about cinematic presidents yep. this time. More specifically, we want to talk about presidential movies, um, yeah. those being movies that um, the plot is around the president and or the presidency of the United States. Correct. Um, which I noticed there is a large number of them that have been made by Warner Brothers. I don't know if that is it. Maybe maybe it's just because Warner Brothers actually has an entire West Wing that they've mm. built and they've repurposed for several movies and TV shows. I mean, that may be it. They may just be trying to constantly reuse the set to, like, you know, make yeah. sure it was worth spending money on. Yeah. So, fun fact, guys. If you, I don't know if you can see it on the tour or not. I'll have to ask Dave. But yeah, they do have uh, a scale replica oral. Uh, oh, I almost said oral office. Sorry, this isn't about Bill Clinton. Um, Oval Office. Oh shit! I just realized. I looked at Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. When you go on Twitter, it says Warner Brothers, but their handle is actually at boner the number four for POTUS. Yeah, boner for POTUS. <laughs> so yeah, they really. Do, I did. I didn't ever. How did I never notice that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, they do have a full size replica uh, Oval Office and West Wing that mm -hmm. they've used, obviously for the West Wing, but I think they also used it in the American President. Probably Dave. Yeah. Uh, Probably a couple of the TV shows that are because they borrow it, they learn it out to other studios mm -hmm. too. So it's all probably been the same room, actually. Yeah. Used over and over and over again. Probably. So do we want to jump on into that conversation, guys? So I mean, Brian, you mentioned the American president, and I think mm -hmm. that's probably I don't know if I would say it's like my favorite presidential movie, but I think it's a I it was actually probably one of my favorite like romantic films ever just because i feel like i don't know I, I feel like it's hard to find good romances right now like everything is either like way too like dramatic and there's like kids with diseases and yada yada, yada. Sure. like it's like way too much or Thanks, it's walk like, to remember for starting that mm -hmm. bullshit yeah or or it's like too like the notebook or something like that or it's too rom-commy and it's all like just yeah. bleh but like the american president does such a good job of like kind of creating this realistic romance that just happens to be you know involving the involving president, the president. Yeah. 
And like, and it's funny and it's serious. It's just a little bit of both. And it, ha- but it's not. I wouldn't call it a rom com per se. No, it's not a rom com at all. Um, and actually, I have two films I want to talk about. But I'll go. I'll start. I mean, with this I have one. a shit ton of films yeah. I want to talk about. But, <clears throat> but yeah, so American President, um, written of course by the great Aaron Sorkin, uh, mm. and directed by none other than Rob Reiner as well. I think the romance is part of it, and it's it's an interesting. I think plot device to move the story forward mm-hmm. and definitely bring in um, Sydney Ellen Wade into the the story. But at the same time, I really think the movie is actually about a president who, I mean, he says it very much in his final press conference where he basically does his drop the mic moment and <laughs> tells everybody off, including his Republican uh, rival in the, the re-election campaign. Mm-hmm. He spends so much time focused on keeping his job that he forgets to do his job. Mm-hmm. And the movie, I think, really, really plays, the more I watch it, it really plays into that theme very heavily. Mm-hmm. He's faced with all these decisions that he has to make. And a lot of them he makes purely to play off of his existing political status mm-hmm. to gain more political power because there are issues he campaigned on. And obviously he won the election and he wants to deliver on those promises in order to gain re-election. Um, but at the same time, he's also faced with doing things that are the right thing. It just so happens that the right thing isn't happens to be connected to a woman who he does fall in love with, right? But at the same time, in the, the last scene, when they have their, you know, I'm sorry moment and they get back together, he says, no, I didn't bring this piece of legislation to the floor because of you. And she said, I didn't come back because you sent it to the floor, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think she came back to him um, because of him finding his integrity again and his passion that leads him to be a strong leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And as a man, he defended her. And as, Exactly. Absolutely. Um, so for those who don't know the story, so Andrew Shepard, three, three years into his term, he is a widower. In fact, they, that was apparently a, an issue that came up because his wife died during the election uh, the first time. Well, it... It helped. It, it was weird because it helped his election effectively. It helped his it helped his run the first time because of the fact that he was a widower, right? Um, and because of that, they're arguing that had that not happened, he might not have been elected. And there's a mm-hmm. big, great speech with that he has with the chief of staff, played by Martin Sheen. Uh, oh, was this Martin Sheen's audition for president with Aaron Sorkin? You know, it's right? really funny because <laughs> many people consider Andrew Shepard the prototype for what eventually Jed Bartlett would become on the West Wing. And he even says, Andrew Shepard even says, there's a funny, there's a great scene when uh, he's showing uh, Sydney the the plate room. He calls it the plate room. It's actually called the China room in the, the White House, but he doesn't know that. You he don't said, say China in the White House, Brian. Oh, shut up. You know what I meant. <laughs> um, but they say, they call it the China room and he says, oh yeah, well, see, I was always more of a West Wing president myself. So, mm-hmm. one, joking that he doesn't really go to the more museum-y parts of the, of the mansion, but second, like, he pretty much set up the title for his future TV series in that one scene. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think he intended to do that, but it just worked out really, really well. And by the way, classic Aaron Sorkin, the first shot of this movie, other than this beautiful montage of going over paintings and busts of presidents, is Andrew Shepard walking down a hallway in the West Wing talking to one of his aides, and mm-hmm. the entire scene happens in motion. Mm-hmm. Like it, That also kind of set the template for how Sorkin... I shouldn't say that because probably it did that in Few Good Men as well. But it, the format of how that works is how many, if not all, of the West Wing episodes uh, work as well. Mm-hmm. So, I think another reason why I admire this movie so much too is because Shepard is the first president I've really seen on film that 
is funny. He's not like, you know, he shoots, he tells jokes and makes gags, but there are genuine moments where Michael Douglas plays the humor extremely well. Mm -hmm. The one of them is like, uh, there's a whole bit where he's trying to get Sydney flowers and he calls a flower shop and the flower shop doesn't believe it's the president. She hangs up on him. And then later on, he goes to that flower shop in person uh, for a different situation. He says, no, I, I think we might have spoken on the phone earlier. It was about, you know, the, uh, the dogwoods and, uh, you know, Virginia president. And then she just looks at him and passes out. And he's like, yeah, that was the same girl. She remembered me, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. And the way he played it, it was just perfect. Yeah. You know. No, he's a good actor. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sean, so. what's one of uh, what's one of the films that you wanted to talk about tonight? Uh, I watched a movie recently to do research for this podcast that I thought was kind of a joke, but it was a more recent presidential movie, so I thought I'd give it a shot. And mm -hmm. it turns out I fucking love it. Olympus has fallen. Mm, I still haven't seen that one. Yeah, so let's just run down spoilers, everyone. A quick, a quick, like setup for what this movie is, basically. So the movie starts out, and you've got this tight knit little family group that is the president, Aaron, played by Aaron Eckhart, his wife, played by Ashley Judd, their son Connor, who is an aspiring Secret Service agent. So he's really tight with the the Secret Service agents that guard the uh, first family. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Gerard Butler, who's almost like a an uncle slash. Uh, Secret Service agent. He's pretty close with uh, the president and the president's wife and Connor. So it starts out with them leaving Camp David and it's snowing and they get into this car wreck and their limo is like hanging off of this uh, bridge. And so Gerard Butler's left with this decision. The first lady is stuck in her seatbelt and knocked out and they can't get her out. So he's got to decide whether he saves her or whether he saves the president. And because of his job, he has to save the president, which he does. But there's repercussions for that. And so they skip to, that's like the first 15 minutes. They skip to 18 months later, Gerard Butler is no longer working as a Secret Service agent for the White House staff. He has been reassigned to the Treasury. So that awesome beginning reminds me a little bit of, uh, if, well, I'll talk about this later, In the Line of Fire, where you have sort of like a disgraced Secret Service agent to a degree that is trying to redeem himself. But he's not really redeeming, like that's not the crux of the movie that he's trying to redeem himself. You just kind of see him start to redeem himself once, turns out, North Korea attacks fucking Washington, D.C., a North Korean terrorist group that uh, comes in and kind of takes the White House by force two ways. One, they send a bomber plane in with super dope technology that apparently uh, they were not supposed to have to kind of bomb the surrounding area of the White House. Mm -hmm. In the movie, there is a strained relationship between um, South Korea and North Korea brought to a head more so than we've even seen recently. It's kind of like the, the demilitarized zone is starting to have a whole lot of North Korean activity. So the uh, South Korean prime minister is coming to meet with the president at the White House. When he comes to meet the president at the White House, he has like a staff with him, a security expert and everything. And guess what? Turns out that like half that staff is terrorists. What? And so they can take the White House from the inside. It's really just a fucking really good action thriller, mm -hmm. but it has enough human moments and, and, and good enough writing that it keeps you engaged and at no point do you go like oh fuck this fucking movie mm -hmm. and i i thought that it, it was a little scary too to think that um it like it might be possible for something like that to happen because it seemed feasible the way that the, if uh, in a perfect storm that they could have pulled that off mm -hmm. it's kind of unsettling because uh, and you, you remember not that long ago there was that 
fucking guy who just like ran across the White House lawn. Yeah. And then got in the door, bitch slapped the fucking guard, <laughs> and then like was in the White House for like five minutes. Yeah. Just running around. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if that's possible, think about how li- like the, how well we think that the White House is guarded is is not. It might be now, but it, it wasn't up until a few years ago when that happened. Well, and it's really interesting. You know, you look at Air Force One and stuff like that, and you see, like, what one guy, what inside dude can make mm-hmm. happen and can, like, you know, throw a wrench in the entire right. structure of the government. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there is that. At the same time, I do think, you know, the suspension of disbelief to the, to oh, the, sure. the average moviegoer is pretty high in that regard, but in real life... I mean, someone jumping over the White House fence is more yeah. plausible than a sleeper agent, not a sleeper, but like a double agent for South Korea and North Korea working as a terrorist. Because I guarantee you, if a foreign head of state is going to be, or head of government in this case, is going to be coming to the United States to speak with the president, him and every single person of his party are going to be background checked and vetted heavily by the Secret Service mm-hmm. yeah. because that Which is their they- job. And in the movie, they were all vetted, and it turns out that this like leader of this terrorist group had never been photographed, had never left a fingerprint, and he had sort of slowly worked his way into becoming the security, uh, the head of security for the South Korean prime minister, which is brilliant. Um, but to get back to like why Ger- Gerard Butler, so he's semi semi disgraced, and then he's not working for the Secret Service anymore. But once the attack of Washington happened, he's actually not too far away at the Treasury. So he just like books ass to the fucking White House and and sees what's going on and just starts taking motherfuckers down one by one. I mean, it's it's a more realistic, less campy version of what Arnold Schwarzenegger did in the 80s, where it's just like he apparently can just kill everyone and nobody can touch him, but not done in such a hokey way. Okay. It seemed more like diehard in a way where it was justified. Yeah. And our our former co-host, David McGuire, told me to not even try to watch London Has Fallen. And then he's like, they're making a third one. And I was like, is it called Des Moines Has Fallen? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to poison the world's corn supply. Oh, my God. Who would they do after England? I guess Russia? Moscow Has Fallen? Russia, Moscow Oh, that could be interesting, actually. Mm, Interesting. Helsinki Has Fallen. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so Sarah, you mentioned Air Force One. Is that the one you want to talk about, or do you have another one you want to? Bring I have. An, I mean, I have a shit ton I want to talk about, which is why I don't necessarily want to like give full like synopses now for the next ones because okay. we're going to run out of time. But okay, uh, one of the ones that I want to talk about first is 1993's Dave. Oh well, we can both comment on this because I watch this as well. Okay, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I I basically spent like a whole week just watching presidential movies. It was kind of fantastic. Um, <laughs> Freaking Kevin Klein, guys. He's a great actor. He, I oh, think yeah. he is one of the best actors, in my personal opinion, yeah. ever to grace fucking cinema. But that's just me personally. In the range. Hmm? It's ridiculous. Yeah. He's just, he's really, he's like up there with Gary Oldman for me. Like of amazing underrated actors. But better looking. Not to say that Gary Oldman's bad looking, but he's got, Kevin Klein also has a certain, um, charm and look to him i just the be, that's the best way i can describe yeah, it yeah yeah kind of rings of a, of a of a classic movie star like a almost like a clark gable maybe sure that sure. you know minus the mustache yeah uh but anyway so this movie is really great it's kind of your very typical like prince and the pauper tale um where you know this character is basically called in to be um, a stand-in for the president. He's he looks just like him. Like in fact, the president is actually played by Kevin Klein, so played by the same actor. But uh, the president 
uh, uses that opportunity to go sneak off and have an affair with a secretary played, played by, by Laura, Laura Linney. Linney. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, he ends up having a stroke after you know getting it on with Laura Linney. <laughs> Mid-coitus, mid actually. I, yeah, I yeah. And yeah. then he ends up, uh, so he ends up, yeah, he has a stroke and then he's in a coma. So they keep Dave on as a stand-in because uh, basically the president's um, chief of staff is uh, trying to make a play for the presidency himself. So he, there's like all this underhanded stuff about trying to get the vice president involved in a scandal. Which and, is actually his scandal. Yeah, it's actually his scandal. Um, but he's using Ben Kingsley as a as a scapegoat who like comes in two thirds of the way through the movie, but also just like kills it. it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, kills it. Uh, and then the first lady Sigourney Weaver, um, who she's just really pissed because she thinks, oh, my husband had a minor stroke while having an affair, so she's like super upset. Not and she was already she already had a bad marriage to begin with. Uh, and now she's like kind of taking it out on poor Dave, mm. who's just a stand in. And Dave's actually turns out to be a really nice guy, reverses a lot of really crappy policies that the previous president, who was a giant dickhole, had. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And And he also plays a giant dickhole very well because there's a clear cut between the two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a very distinct difference to the point where Sigourney Weaver figures it out. She figures out that that's not her husband and... uh, She's all of a sudden like, you know, starting to starting to fall for him. And then at the end of the movie, after uh, everything's been kind of like, OK, I, this is actually the end of the movie is where it loses me. <laughs> it is the least likely scenario because why? Yeah. Is it the, so the president. So what ends up happening is mm-hmm. in a brilliant stroke of genius because she finds out and she gets to see the president who is in a vegetated state basically because yeah. they found that it was a massive stroke. He basically comes forward, calls a joint session of Congress, owns up to all the scandal, clears the vice president's name. Mm-hmm. He being this temp agency owner, but who's also you know, Moonlights as, a, as an actor, yeah, uh, feigns the second stroke where he collapses. And they use that as yeah. a means of actually letting the other president die and letting the vice president and letting the vice president, who's actually a really good guy, take over. And then after the funeral, Freaking Sigourney Weaver, like former first lady, like shows up at Dave's council campaign because now he's running for council member. Which he got, but there's a great scene where he gets the inspiration from that from the vice president. Yeah, because that's where the vice president started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so she, which I mean, that's a little ridiculous. I mean, did he have any sort of like political leanings to try to do that before he just like walked into the White House to be an Earth Two doppelganger? It was yeah, it wasn't. There weren't. He didn't have any political leanings. It was that he just wanted to be. He wanted to do the right thing. His his goal in life was always to do the right thing and help other people. Okay. So he basically that's why he wants to be a lower level council member kind of thing for the city. I felt that that part of the ending was a little far fetched. That's only no the the far fetched part though is the. is Sigourney Weaver coming in and like making out with him and like being like, I'm going to start a relationship with this guy who looks just like my asshole of a dead husband. Like, yeah. And it's twisted and it's fucked up and it's creepy. And it, we have to ask one question though mm. of, I guess we'd have to talk to the screenwriter. Did they have, identical genitalia because I mean once you get used <laughs> well, there's so, a scene, one actually. you well, want to stick with it so there's a scene where she walks in on him in the shower and he like refuses to turn around because he doesn't want her to see and 
he turns around and she does see it, but she doesn't say anything about she, it. Like, But she's noticeably distracted for yeah, a moment. Yeah, she's noticeably distracted for a moment, which is great because Sigourney Weaver played it up really nicely. Like, it's super subtle. And she but also she, has a subtle, like, second yeah, look that she gives, too. Yeah, in the scene. she does such a good... <laughs> she was awesome in that role, I will admit it. Um, so identical presidential genitalia. I think, actually, Dave's might have been a little bit uh, more in doubt because based on yeah. what she gave him. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Did she already know that he wasn't him? By that point, she had, she said she'd already figured it out. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I just I, that's the part that like it was the end that really lost me. I'm like, I can't believe one that this guy got off scot free for, imp- like, being a presidential imposter. Like he was pretending to be the president for weeks and yeah. did not get busted for it. Like that's insane to me. And then second of all, that like. The first lady just comes in, nobody recognizes her, and then all of a sudden they start making out. And like the the one guy who does know, Charles Grodin, who right. who came in to help uh, Dave fix the Which budget is... of the entire United States, um, and he sees well, just one small part of it, not all. Of it. Yeah, yeah, but he comes in and he's like, he sees what's going on. He obviously knows it's the first lady. And he's given this look like, what the hell? And I just, that look is like, dude, this is fucking twisted. You are making out with your dead husband's lookalike. <clears throat> that is creepy. And I I mean, I don't know if it's just like, oh, he's all, like, he's all the good stuff my husband wasn't. And like, I really want it. And like, I'm just, that's so weird. That's twisted. Weird. But yet at the same time, not the weirdest thing that could have happened. No, it is it's it is actually really weird because by the time Dave shows up, she is completely over her husband and yeah. it's pretty much just a relationship for show. So that even I think adds another level of creepiness. Yeah. It's 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 like I'm going to make out with this dude who looks just like my dead husband who was everything I wanted my dead husband to be. Yeah. And it's just but then it then you got to imagine like is she going to have like weird grudges from her previous marriage that she's going to now hold on Dave just because they look exactly the same. But going yeah. back to a second just of how much of a fucking boss Kevin Klein is as an actor, uh-huh. it's really cool to see how he would make subtle changes in how his hair looked, but more importantly, just in his facial like expression mm-hmm. that really did make him look a little bit different yeah. than the Bill Mitchell president that he was supposed to be playing. Mm-hmm. So in a way, <clears throat> you could argue... That that might have been an affectation he did to support that really, even though it's the same actor playing him, if we were to actually live in this universe, they don't look so much alike that yeah. they, but they look alike enough that with a little bit of you know trickery that he can he can pass. Um, no. I don't know. Oh, great hair guy. Also, they get him up close on on television, so maybe not. Yeah. But it just goes to show you that he does kind of look and embody like a very different person. Even though he happens to have the same face, it's obviously creepy. not the same dick it's still as creepy. her dead husband. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It weirds me out. It weirds me you out. You ain't now. got my dead husband's dick. <laughs> I just think about like the weirdest of all romantic situations. You know, that is slightly less unusual than a person marrying one person in a set of conjoined twins. That 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 happens. It sure. happens in real life. And yet that is slightly more unusual than somebody who finds another person who happens to look an awful lot like no, it's their straight deceased up doppelganger. Anyway, uh, so moving away from dead spouses and <laughs> talking. Why? That's oh, my favorite. I, I have to add, say one more thing. Okay. The score for Dave is used so much in film trailers. It was used in like every film trailer in like the 90s. All right. Okay. If we're going to talk about scores. I want to say that the most 
presidential score of all the presidential movies that I watched, the most presidential was Air Force One. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. American President takes the cake on that one. No. 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 Air no, Force One. No, it really does. One? I'll pull it up and play it if you like. Well, I, Brian, I, I saw, to think I saw about, both. Brian, you have to think about the action that's happening that the, that the score is punctuating. When the score is punctuating fucking Michael Douglas dancing with Annette Benning in a red dress, it's just not as fucking heart-wrenching as it is when it's punctuating a fucking plane with terrorists that have the president and his family taken hostage. And okay. it's, like especially like a badass president too. Like I don't know. Like, I, and I and mind you, I watched these movies practically back to back, and it was like one was like, "Oh, this is so lovely. I know I'm going to watch a movie about the president." And the other one was like, "Oh my god, the presidency is at stake." <laughs> it's just like I was like, okay. and like the second, like Air Force One made me like, "Oh damn, I am proud to be an American right now." Yeah, but th that's also. <laughs> That's also like the president face sitting movie that you were talking about. So I think there's a little bit of bias there. I think if we're going to objectively okay, determine right. the best presidential score, you're we right. need to have a, a balloting process. What did I say? I a primary. Okay, this is what we're going to do. What All is, right. What, this wait is, a minute. We'll wait ask minute. What the I fucking say? listeners. <laughs> Brian, what you're going to do is you're going to send me what you think is the most presidential sounding track. Just tell me what the track name is. I will put it into the episode. Sarah, whatever track from Air Force One that you'd like me to play that you believe is the most uh, presidential. Okay. And then we'll let the listeners decide. Send us okay. feedback. Hit us up on the Twitter twats, Facebook. And then when, when Sarah wins, I'm just going to claim voter fraud. Okay. So. Well, there we go. You tangerine bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, let's talk about Air Force One because that is an awesome freaking movie. I I haven't I hadn't seen it in a long time, and aside from the fact that the CGI does not hold up at all, there's not a whole lot of it. But the parts where there are CGI, it is cartoony. It's not great. Uh, but Harrison Ford just does such a good job of being like this president who's just made this huge policy change and is kind of like, no, I'm doing the right thing. So you're like instantly on his side. Uh, Gary Oldman does a freaking fantastic job as always um, as the villain in this film. And then who, oh God, what is the name? Is that Russian guy who is Gary Oldman's like little sidekick in that movie? And what and what I he mugs so much in that movie, like the faces yep. that he makes, like when he's like freaking out about things, is priceless. Um, I also want to give a huge shout out for Glenn Close being vice president, because right? of anybody, like of all the VPs I've ever seen in movies, she is the one that it's like, dude, if Harrison Ford is going to die, like I trust the country in her hands. Like, she is amazing. She came off as very, very strong, authoritative, knew what she was talking about. I love to seeing her in the Situation Room. Yeah. Too. This was, what, 98 when it came out? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, 
We still haven't had a female vice president. 1997. 97, okay. Yeah. We still haven't had a female vice president, let alone portrayed one on film. Mm-hmm. So that was good on them for that, not being afraid to go that yeah. direction. But she, no, she freaking nailed it. And like, and at no point, like she held her ground when they were all trying to undermine her and get her to to sign the order saying that the president was incapable of being a president at that point to take over and allow the secretary of defense to start running the show, which dude F that guy. Um, and also huge unsung hero of that film, William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. Yep. He freaking killed it. He, he, and it freaking killed him. too. It, it did freaking <laughs> kill him in the end. But the point being is that there was like a huge crisis going on. And that guy was freaking cool under pressure and was like able to handle entire crises and yeah. like help like think of solutions on the fly. Go super f- like it was awesome. Yeah. And much like Olympus has fallen, it uses the same trope of the head of security. But this time the head of security for the Air Force One and for the president's detail mm-hmm. is the one behind the whole plot. That dick. That dick. <clears throat> yeah. But also, yeah, super, like, totally badass president, Harrison yeah. Ford. So. And he does punch a guy off the plane. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't ever see presidents punch people in the face. No. Nope. Maybe, okay, maybe, well, may, maybe Teddy Roosevelt. Maybe, because yeah, he because sure. he studied, you know, jujitsu and all that. But he's probably the only one. That's true. Can you think, I can't even think of any other movie I've seen where I've watched a president punch somebody in the face. Well, according to Rednecks, Barack Obama has punched our Constitution directly in the face. Does that count? <laughs> oh and according to Independence Day, Bill Pullman punched Jeff Goldblum in the face, but before he was president. Yeah, so that doesn't count. Okay. Yep. We, I have never seen a president punch anybody on camera aside from Air Force One. If you can find a video of a president <laughs> punching somebody in the face, please send it to <clears throat> the nerds at nerdonomy.com. Yeah. That actually would be really interesting. I want to watch a montage of presidents punching people in the face. Is really what I want. Or fuck that. Film yourself as several different presidents punching other notable people in the face. I wish. It makes me wish that they had made a sequel to Mr. Smith Goes to Washington where it becomes Mr. Smith Becomes the President. (laughs) Just so you have, you can say that James Stewart got really angry. He said, no, 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 listen here. Look, you're not, you're you're not listening to what I'm saying. And then he just punches a guy on, on camera. I think that you're pulling up your what was that Simpsons episode where they had like what's this who's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger on The Simpsons? Oh, um, fuck. It's well, McBain is, is the character, but not the actor. Oh. McBain, the guy that plays McBain, oh does like a Mr. Smith goes to Washington remake where <laughs> he right. like throws the flagpole in the Oval Office and impales somebody with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that's, I changed my mind. That's my favorite president. That's my, <laughs> that is my favorite on-screen president. That's your favorite? Not Well, what about uh, Terry Crews, President Camacho from Idiocracy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, or I was just going to say, too, Arnold Schwarzenegger's in Dave as himself. He's in oh, there yeah. for like two seconds. That's true. Do not eat the yeah. donut. <laughs> that's true. He does have a little cameo. That was pretty funny. Yeah, it was cute. Um, Other movies that you guys want to talk about? I've got two more that... I watched okay. that I'm excited to talk about. Sure, go ahead. Uh, one of them was JFK, which this was actually the first time I've ever watched that movie all the way through. It's a fucking ride, isn't it? It is. A long one. <laughs> it's a three... Guys, I mean, if we want to talk about, like, you know, how we've talked about with Brian and his concerns with Alien and all that other stuff and how it's, like, ex- we're talking about possibly exposure therapy... I'm pretty sure JFK is supposed to be exposure therapy for me because it's three fucking hours of Kevin Costner for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> and which 
it has very little to do. I mean, it has to do with JFK, but there's he's not in it at all. There's, no. there's the footage. That's it's about a, it. well, yeah, that's what makes it a presidential movie. It's about the presidency. Uh, but I just, oh my god, you guys, so much Kevin Costner, and I know people disagree with me on this. Some people say it's his best performance ever. For me, it was quite literally watching a cardboard cutout go from scene to scene. And it was like frustrating to me, except for the actual courtroom scene at the end when he's giving his like last final argument and he actually starts acting well. And I was like, well, God, where was this for the rest of the movie? I don't it just. Ugh. OK, <sighs> what if we change the subject <sighs> and talk about another movie in which Kevin Klein played the president and the double at the same time? Maybe we can do a little roast session of Wild Wild West. Huh? Oh, oh my huh? God. God. <laughs> All right, fuck that. Back to JFK. <laughs> anyway. Just the look on both your faces yeah. made that worth it for me. But also, JFK, another movie where Gary Oldman potentially tries to kill the president. You know? Like, that was also... <laughs> that's, that, that's his type. Guy yeah. who tries to kill the president. I guess so. Yeah, or save Gotham, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. One of those two. Um, but yeah, Gary yeah, Oldman... They cut that scene out of The Professional. <laughs> he tries to kill the president after popping and chewing on like a morphine pill or something and then they he goes back to his other nonsense <laughs> um but There's yeah also that scene in harry potter prisoner of azkaban where he's gonna go to america and kill the president after he escapes from azkaban <laughs> they cut that out <laughs> shut up <laughs> dracula in dracula he's gonna kill the president <laughs> even though the united states isn't even a thing yet mr president <laughs> Children Why are you calling me that? What is of that? The night. <laughs> what lovely music. The, what are you talking about? <laughs> about? You do not Whoa. hear. You do not hear the wolves in the background. I brought them onto the South Lawn. But Vlad, <laughs> there's not even a president yet. Or in America. <laughs> it was 1897. Was... There was definitely an America at that point. Oh, yeah. I, I forget when yeah. that was set. I'm in England. <laughs> God. Blimey. Go on. Okay. Go on with the shootings of the presidents in the face. Yeah. Well, <laughs> God, Jesus. Um, I derailed you. My apologies. No, that's okay. But you you really got to watch where you're swishing your hand because like several times you've like almost hit me in the face. So personal bubble, dude. <laughs> Sorry. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, with JFK, I like this. It was it was a really good ride. And like the theory behind it was really good. I think the way the movie was crafted was impressive i just hate kevin costner it's been thoroughly debunked though as of now at least as far as the released documents say yeah because the first time i saw jfk i think i was like 22 or something and i was fucking just balls to the walls with it like the whole time i'm like i can't believe it who the fuck is this guy that tommy lee jones is playing because we need to drag him out of his fucking house into the street yeah (laughs) because i thought for sure i was like oliver stone did a really good job of 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 showing you that theory and making you think that that was the most solid theory for what exactly happened on that day in 1960. Sure. Well, and there's still a lot of people who contest what actually happened then anyway. Like the conspiracy theories still run wild and a lot of people do still think that the CIA is behind it. If only everyone had smartphones, they would have seen that shit from like 150 different angles and would have got the guy in like 15 minutes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or girl. That's fair. Or girl. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it, I mean, it's a great movie and I think it's really, I would say it's pretty important for people to see, especially if you're a film student, just because the way it was crafted, um, mm-hmm. the way they interchange so well with, uh, flashbacks and raw footage and, you know, just 
the way the whole way that the, that it played out and you know looking at it from the context of you know they're opening up this investigation after several years after several years and it's and seeing what had happened between you know then and now um, I thought it was a really interesting historical context, so yeah. I liked and it. That, and that, uh, if you like, if you're a fan of natural born killers, Oliver Stone had a very distinct kind of thing going on in the '90s where he loved handy cam footage that was gritty, and he also loved like like putting color filters over stuff yeah. with really bright colors. So I feel like there's a lot of similarities between those two, at least aesthetically. So if you dug that for the aesthetics, you'll dig JFK. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Um, and then the last movie that I want to talk about, guys. You're so fucking tired. I know I am. Uh, the fucking last movie I want to talk about is... Uh, My Fellow Americans. Oh, thank oh. God. I was, I was hoping <laughs> someone was going to... Another Warner Brothers yeah. movie probably used the same office. Uh, hail I mean, to the come chief. On. He's the chief and he needs hailing. Right. <laughs> I mean, first of all, Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon and James Garner. I know. Basically... Sadly, both... both Departed, yeah. But unfortunately, but but this movie is basically them taking the piss out of each other for an hour and a half, and it's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let's set it up. These guys are two ex presidents. Mm-hmm. Were they were they like right behind each other? Yeah. Were they like and Jack then, Lemmon they lost parties? to James Garner, and then James Garner lost to Dan Aykroyd, who was the current president of that. And they're on the and but but Garner and Lemon different parties, right? One's Republican, one's yes. Democratic. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And um, Dan Aykroyd's campaign like his people president dan Aykroyd, <laughs> uh, president ray stance yeah basically they've now they've basically set up jack lemon for a scandal and they're trying to they're trying to get him on hook for the scandal and uh jack lemon kind of finds like kind of tries to expose it james garner is trying to figure out what's he's like basically kind of like this meddling guy who's kind of uh, in the throes of it, trying to figure out who's lying. He realizes Jack Lemmon's not lying. But at that point, uh, the government tries to kill them. <laughs> and so... Like you do. Yeah, like you do. And so they escape, and hijinks ensue. And then it becomes, like, basically a road picture of them trying right. to get oh, yeah. the evidence to clear Jack Lemmon's name. It's a road movie, surprised. buddy movie, yeah. with buddy comedy that involves two ex-presidents. And, of course, it all ends up being the vice president who lines up the scandal in a way where Dan Ackward has to resign and then he assumes the presidency and it all ends up being Kevin McAllister's dad is the bad guy. Yeah. Basically. Well, of course. Yeah. But I, there, was, there was a favorite, my favorite line of his, I know you think this whole time I've just been playing the idiot, but the truth is it was all a big facade. <laughs> and he, I was waiting for a point where like he was going to confess and he was going to call one of the two and you were going to hear him say, this is Peter McAllister, the, the father. father. <laughs> <laughs> I need a king size bed. Yeah, uh, yeah. John Heard. Card? You got it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, John Heard played the vice president, which is great. And then Bradley Whitford was the chief of staff, always playing that shady, snide guy, <laughs> as he does. So, so well. Some people have a type, and generally, those people in real life are like the sweetest people on earth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, and the people see- that play the sweetest people on earth, like I said before, kill children and murder hookers. Oh, my God. Wait. Nope. Sorry. Choke <laughs> hookers and kill children. Oh, my God. 
Jeez. Yeah. You don't kill the hookers. You need them later for the sex. Wow. Sean. <laughs> God, Akbar, dude. <laughs> ah, there we go. I haven't had one in a while. I thought I desensitized you guys. Uh, you know. I, I was Akbar at the, the toilet seats and doorknobs, but, you know, that's just me. Really? You didn't, you didn't officially say it. I didn't officially say it, but I did start to gag a little it's, bit. It's the safe word. That means, stop, you've gone too far. <laughs> like, but yeah, but you say it as if, like, I'm going to take note of it and not do it again. You know, there's a case. chance that someday you might learn. Um, Never. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay, Sean. We love you for who you are. I think we should are. just get him a ball gag and have Akbar printed on it and just give it to him. <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea i think you know what if if, if you guys want to do that and all you can hear in the background is something akin to like the sounds that the gimp makes in pulp fiction and people dig it and they don't want to hear me say shit anymore then i'm all for it <laughs> uh anyway back to my fellow americans um <laughs> speaking of american pastimes uh <laughs> um i and the funny part about this whole movie is that of course it ends up at the very end with them running as like running mates like on the same ticket to, for the presidency but then they're arguing over who's going to be president versus vice president and i just and it's the whole thing is just it's a really really yeah. cute buddy film and it's i mean it's ridiculous and it's oh my god it is so super 90s Very i was much. totally oh, yeah, forgetting yeah. about it and like i was kind of like watching i'm like all right this is a fairly timeless film until they walk into a store and the Macarena is playing over the overhead. Oh, and I was yeah. like, oh, no, this is so old. Right. Yeah. Jeez. It was pretty fantastic. I want to talk about an older movie. All right. From 1976, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it's a little bit of a slower movie. So you have to be a really big fan of dialogue. Um, All the President's Men. Starring Dustin Hoffman. And Robert Redford as Woodward and Bernstein, the guys that broke uh, the uh, well, they didn't break the they they broke the early Watergate scandal that led to they they wrote all the Washington Post articles that led to the investigation that led to Richard Nixon resigning. Mm. And I watched it the other night, and I gotta tell you, after I watched it right after Olympus has fallen, so it was <laughs> it was quite a interesting gear change to go from <laughs> like this. Explosions ah! everywhere, and then to like, all right, these two journalists are talking to each other at a desk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really well-made movie. If you want to get, um, if you want to get some really good details, and uh, of course, movies take liberties with history. But if you want to get some really good details and kind of get a setting for what was going on around that time, and to see how that all played out. Mm -hmm. It's very fucking interesting. And I think that Robert Redford gives one of his best performances in it because um, he's he's really good at subtlety and his subtle emotional changes throughout that movie and his dynamic with Dustin Hoffman, mm -hmm. who is a younger journalist who is sort of, uh, it kind of looks up to him. Uh, it's, it's awesome. Nice. Nice. No, I'm glad that you talked about that because I really, I really wanted to see that movie. I haven't seen it yet. Um, and it was on the list, but I did not get. I didn't get a chance to get to it. It does. It's long, especially. Yeah. I mean, just because it's so. It's a dialogue-driven movie. You could probably do that as a play. Yeah, and I'm and I'm glad that you picked a movie that was like pre-1980 because you know. I know. Going back to that one person's feedback way back, where they're like, "Can you talk about something like before 1980?" <laughs> well, actually, so, they said before 1970, but before 1970, close. whatever. Okay, close so enough. all right, let's talk about Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Jimmy Stewart's great. It's in black and white. You see how a filibuster works, and we're pretty sure he shit himself up there. 
You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there were, I mean, there were plenty, plenty of other president portrayals in movies. In fact, the first, I think the first female president portrayed in a film, which there have not been very many at all, was uh, in 1953, I think, in a sci-fi film that it was actually like the big twist of the, of the film was that, uh, that the president was a woman. Like that was the big twist. Of this like crazy sci-fi dystopia thing that was going on. So was it a total like B movie? Are we talking like Mystery Science Theater three thousand material? Uh, I think so. I think so. I can't. That's even, I... awesome. I need to find it. Can you figure out the name of it while? Yeah. On your yeah, on your it's magic called Barbarella sixteen hundred. No. <laughs> it was an offshoot. Sequel. I can't believe them titties is president. <laughs> How about that was the tagline? There you go. There's a presidential movie that's like pre 1970. Oh shit! Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh my god! Love that movie. It's so ridiculous. President. It doesn't. Based on Sarah's description earlier, it doesn't. It doesn't count because that all all the shit in that movie happens before he's president. For most of it, yeah, absolutely. Um, That's very true. Um, Okay, I I actually have the full list of women actresses who have played female presidents in film. Shoot. Uh, Christina Applegate in Mafia. Oh, that's Classic. right. Classic. That's right. <laughs> um, Ernestine Barrier in Project Moonbase, which is the one I was talking about. Project like, Moonbase. Love it. Uh, Polly Bergen in Kisses for My President in 1964. That sounds horrible. I know. Kisses for My President. I know. Uh, Sally Champlin in Every Woman, The Woman Every Man Wants in 2001. Jesus Christ. Okay, that's 2001. All right. I'm like, the more 50s ones. Yeah. I'm just like, what are they doing? It's like, the president actually also vacuums the White House. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess Penny Johnson Gerald played um, Amanda Waller in Justice League and Gods and Monsters in 2015, where um, Amanda Waller was president in that particular run. Timeline. Waller. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephanie Paul uh, in Iron Sky in 2012. Uh, Joan Rivers in uh, Les Patterson Saves the World in 1987. <laughs> Loretta Switch. Les in... Patterson Saves the World? I know. Yeah. Who's the <laughs> star of that movie? Uh, Loretta Switch in Whoops Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Why are these all movies where like, the future is fucked? I, and the I, seriously? Whoop, whoopsie doodles. Yeah. The earth is fucked. And then 1986. And then, uh, as we mentioned, Seal Award and Imp- Independence Day Resurgence. Right. Okay. So I was right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so first of all, America, make better movies with females as president because apparently all of them, the world goes to shit. What are you trying to say? Well, it's not like we've watched all of these films, but yeah, that's kind of what it seems like just based on titles alone. But, you know, hey, if she can see it, she can be it. So more representation for that. There's plenty. There's been more in television, but that's That's only for film. Very true. Commander in Chief, Virginia Davis, Mm -hmm. uh, who was apparently... It, that was a continuation of the character Joan Allen played in The Candidate, whatever oh, it was. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It may, it may not have been called The Candidate, but she was appointed vice president. And Gary oh. Oldman being freaking Gary Oldman, the senator who's trying to bring her down because mm-hmm. he lost to Jeff Bridges in the yeah. election. Um, I love Gary Oldman so yeah. much. Uh, yeah. All right, so do we want to talk about Frost Nixon? Frost Nixon, the greatest boxing movie that doesn't actually involve boxing. Yeah. Ron oh, Howard won the yes. Oscar for this movie. It was great. Mm-hmm. Frank Langella knocked it out of the park, reprising the role that he had played on Broadway mm-hmm. as Richard Nixon. Uh, like, truly, like, transformational. And then, of course, Michael Sheen mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park as playing Frost, David yeah. Frost. And it's a great couple, too, actually, All the President's Men, because it deals with Nixon's interviews with David Frost trying to 
and him trying to basically admit that the whole Watergate was a cover up. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, since everyone was pissed because Ford had just pardoned Nixon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So the whole tension is Ford, based Ford on... had just parted Nixon and then fell down some more stairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And, you know, this this whole movie is trained about giving Nixon the trial, quote unquote, that he never had. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and what's interesting about this, you know, it was, uh, it was clearly, you know, based on a play and all that. However, the reality of this interview is that it wasn't as long as portrayed... It was a little less hard hitting than like. Yeah, it wasn't in the movie. It's two days long, right? They do a day and then they take they go home and go to sleep and come back and do another day. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't that it wasn't that at all. No, because you'd think that Nixon would have bailed out after day one. Like, fuck this. Yeah, no, definitely. So the the actual interview itself was a lot shorter and the, the drama and the tension behind it was not nearly as much as it was blown out for stage and film. But, right. you know, what the heck? These things are roughly based on a true story. Yeah. yeah. But and, it, it, it's and honestly, it's more cathartic for the audience to have more drama. So no, totally. It's and true. what I think is really, really nice. I, I, I have to admit, I didn't see the Nixon film that in which Anthony Hopkins played Richard Nixon. Oh, it's not good. Yeah. But which one was that? Nixon. It was it just called, called Nixon. Nixon. I think it was also oh. Oliver Stone who did it. Oh, I didn't it. see that one. Um, yeah. And it, what I, I didn't see that one, so I can't speak to it. But what I do like is that this one shows the level of psychosis that mm-hmm. Nixon shows because of that, you know, that threatening phone call that he gives him the night before mm-hmm. the final interview. And he doesn't remember actually making that phone call. Yeah, his paranoia. Yeah, paranoid delusions, and uh, not just that, but just a very. Eric said this perfectly on Nerds in History, um, but just a very kind of bleak outlook of the world. Yeah, very yeah. cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, they didn't show as much of the cynicism. I would say, at least not when he was trying to be like the charming, you know, cordial mm-hmm. man at first. But I do just, I do appreciate that they showed the darker side of that. Man, because unfortunately, I don't think there's much that will ever really recover his legacy. He did a lot of bad, made a lot of bad decisions just yeah, the yeah, the country. So yeah, but I th- I thought it was a really interesting portrayal, and it showed a lot of complexity. And um, I mean, it was extremely great storytelling for what could have just been two people talking to each other. So. Oh, totally. <laughs> and I love how he moved the camera too. He did these swish pans back and mm-hmm. forth mm-hmm. Um, that made it feel like you were watching a fight. That was yeah. the cool thing about it. Yeah. yeah, it was it was very very well done. So, Sean, what are your feelings on it? I fucking love that movie. I've I've actually watched the actual interview a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't find it on YouTube very easily nowadays, but when in two thousand eight when the movie came out, you could. And I like how they 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 actually turn some of the stuff. I mean, it's not verbatim, but they do convey the moments of drama mm-hmm. throughout it, especially like my favorite part, which I think that they beat to death in the trailers too, where he's like, I'm saying when the president does it, it's not illegal. And he's like, I- I'm sorry, <laughs> what did you just say? It's not quite at the level that they showed in that movie. But then again, you know, it's, they're not closed up on them. And I think that the, that like Sarah said, with the storytelling that they do a good job of putting it through a lens that makes you more invested in mm-hmm. this story and just not watching an interview. Yeah. I love fucking Sam Rockwell oh, yeah. as the guy who's sort of uh, pushing Michael Sheen's character to really fucking hit this home because, like he says in it, he's like, you know, if if you fuck this up, you're essentially pardoning him again. Yeah, and we can't let that happen. We need this needs to be the trial. Yeah, that he never got. And also, 
This movie probably would have been a lot more boring without the wonderful comic relief of Oliver Platt. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was very good in it. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. He's always really good for comic relief. You can always rely on that yep. guy. Guess what I watched the other day and forgot that he was fucking in? What? Beethoven. Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci are the two dumbass fucking henchmen that are trying to capture all the dogs in Beethoven. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Why were you watching Beethoven yesterday? All right, okay. Sean so was on his Charles hang- Grodin fix. He made it was a really- hangover day. It was a hangover day. <laughs> and Katie and I were going back and forth, picking stuff that was available on Amazon Prime. And she's like, I want to watch Beethoven. And I was like, all right. As long as it's not one of the 13 sequels, I guess I can handle it. Because Bonnie Hunt, she fine. Sean <laughs> was just like... Montrain said, happy wife, happy life, happy wife, happy life, happy, happy wife, life, happy life. And then after that movie was over, I was like, hey, speaking of St. Bernard's, Cujo's also on here. Let's watch that. <laughs> this is take a hard left fucking turn. Wow. Um, all right. Well, can I give one honorable mention since we're running out of time? Yes. The Butler. Ooh. Oh. That is great a great film. movie. I still haven't seen it that, yet. Sadly. Oh my god. I know. You I need to. no, you really need to. Like to watch it, to watch the role of of this this butler and the context of of so much change and and going through s- several presidents and his relationship with them and then also kind of looking at the the status of you know the black man in America Mm-hmm. you know being so close to power yet so far away and there's it is amazing it is such a well-crafted movie um, it's really good that i really recommend that a lot of and, i well, don't it was a crime that that shit was not nominated for best picture that year yeah however i even if it was i don't think it should have won it was amazing but I don't think it should have won that year. But it should have been fucking nominated. I don't have no idea how that got passed over. I don't know. Can I just say that I know that she's got like her own like media empire and all, mm-hmm. and she, that's keeping her very busy. But can we give Oprah Winfrey some more fucking acting work? Yeah, she's I don't good think she every... wants to do it that often. Well, she's so she. Uh, oh my god, guys, I'm so excited about this. Uh, she is cast in the newest production of A Wrinkle in Time for film. Mm. She's playing one of the. Mrs. Is. Um, I think yeah. she's playing I think she's playing Mrs. What's It or Mrs. Witch. I can't remember which one. Uh but she it's uh gonna be directed by Ava Ava DuVernay and uh mm. and Chris Pine is playing the dad and um okay. and then this amazing actress who was in I can't remember her name. She was in Twelve Years a Slave and then she was in she was in one of the episodes of the most recent season of Black Mirror, and she's really fantastic. She's playing the mom. There's some really, really good casting in this. Um, Reese Witherspoon's going to be in it. Minnie Kaling's going to be in it. And this book was my childhood. Like, it is still in my top five favorite books of my entire life. Yeah. So it's great. Sixth grade. I love that book. We all read it in sixth grade. Yeah, we all had to. Yeah, Brian and I had to read it in sixth grade. Had to. And I was like, fuck, another book. And then I got about 20 pages in and was like, oh, never mind. It was about it. It wasn't required reading at my elementary school, but it was one that my mom read when she was a kid. And mm. she gave me her copy and said, I think you're really going to like this book. And I couldn't. I remember it's somewhere around it like 2001, 2002. Didn't they try to do a like a. a they did like they a, a ABC's, decent amount of money into an. Uh, yeah. To yeah, there's, a, a there's TV a, movie version of it, which wasn't terrible. Magical World of Disney. Yeah, kind of it thing, wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't terrible. But it was still TV. It wasn't great. Effects and stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's why I'm really excited to see it get like a good, like legit Hollywood treatment with some yeah. amazing actors in it. So yeah, you got to give people the you got to give people the money so that they can actually realize their full vision with mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, and a really yeah. and a really diverse cast too. Like the yep. like the lead girl, the girl who's playing Meg, is is of mixed descent, and so it's gonna be it's gonna be really nice to and refreshing, I think, to see that and to kind of. Um, have that kind of role model character that a lot of girls could relate to. So right. I am stoked. Okay, I'm done now. Why don't we get into feedback, yeah? Okay. See? Listener feedback. Yeah. So we've got a voicemail from Benjamin. Benjamin Baker. From the Benjamin? Yeah, from Culturally Ill Podcast. And here we go. Hey, nerds, it's Ben. Uh, this is going to be a short message, short, deep and textured, like an IUD. Not so much with the arsenic. I don't even have a bone to pick. This well-wishing zombie would rather go beyond it and go with the general dicks out for Harambe and matrimony. And that might sound phony, but I only have so much time to be congratulatory about the new chapter in Sean's American Horror Story. So hello, nerds. Hello, ladies. Wait, wait. What would Sean do if he had a baby? I tell you this. I won't be sending gifts by UPS, but there might be a visit coming from CPS. Congratulations, Sean's. And I hope all you nerds recover well. That's the best verbal arsenic I got. I'm looking at you, Nelberry. Ben, that was awesome, dude. What would I do with uh, if I had a child? Indoctrinate it with all the horrible, terrible <laughs> things that I think all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Him. And train it to take over the world. You know what's funny is that if that were to happen, it would probably end up being like the sweetest, most gentle no. child, I think, in no. the world. I've said so many horrible things to so many people that don't deserve it that I'm pretty sure I would have... A child that had a lot of issues, like a child that had like its brain was it was born with its brain outside of its head or like didn't have legs or something. It, but you no, know, he did say I call from CPS and that's true. And I probably end up having to take custody. So I have one here from Davey the D subject. Grateful listener. He says, I can't thank you all enough for making so many hours of great podcasts. NOF, though I've not listened to all your podcasts yet, I've enjoyed the shows I have. The banter between listening to you all makes for great listening. I have to say, Sean is my kind of guy. Always <laughs> there with an awkward comment or just a good old fuck shit or any other cur uh, curse word. Uh, the whole team uh, is awesome, and I aim to go back and listen from the start. Uh, keep up being amazing nerds and awesome human beings. Thank you. So thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, David D. Yeah, we like swearing here. It's fun. Fuck. <laughs> yep. So um, this feedback Barbara cycle Streisand. was actually a little bit on the light side. So I would love for Sarah, if you could share with our listeners how they can be a feedbacker to both our podcasts. Well, I mean, the most convenient way for all of that, at least for me, is if you just kind of show up at places where I am and just start screaming at us the feedback that... Yeah. is particularly helpful. Two words, yeah, strange I mean, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah right. will pepper spray the living shit out of you, but <laughs> it's appreciated. <laughs> uh, no, if you want to hit us up, you can go to nerdonomy.com and you click that talk to us button. It will shoot an email to all of our inboxes. Otherwise, you can hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you want to look us up, it's just nerdonomy. Uh, otherwise, you can try smoke signals. That's a pretty good one. Carrier pigeon. Uh, mail. We actually do have a PO box. Um, it's available on our website. Or if you want to leave us a voicemail, like Benjamin did, the uh, number is available on nerdonomy.com. So you can try that uh, as well. well. Whale, whale sonar. 
Whale they could so- get us by whale Whoa. sonar. <laughs> yeah, because you can hear that shit everywhere. All we have to do is dunk our heads in the ocean, and if, as long as your head's in another ocean, we'll hear you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one only other thing I would add to that, if you do decide to send us something, just hit us up on one of the social media messages and let us know that you have sent it because we do not check that mailbox regularly. Yeah. So we'd hate for it to be sent back to you because we didn't know that it was coming. So please, yep. thank you. Uh, and the other part of this that we want to ask is uh, while you happen to be trying to give us some feedback or if you're just bored, why don't you give us a review on iTunes? That would actually be yeah. really helpful. Um, it helps keep our podcast relevant and it helps make sure that uh, new listeners get to find out about our show. So that would be really helpful if you just spread the word of nerd mm-hmm. like a bird turd. <laughs> Nerds, it is that time. So we will see you on the other side of this election. And until we meet again... Yep. Stay nerdy. Tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time. Same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Peace. Later. And roll credits. Famous movie quotes you shouldn't say during sex. When the president does it, it's not illegal. <laughs> 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 <laughs>